0: Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. Support comes from Pacific Science Center, working to inspire the next generation of scientists and increase access to STEM education statewide through digital discovery workshops, science on wheels, and summer camps. More ways to support these efforts at PACSci.org.
1: Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Thursday. This is Seattle Now. In a few short days, the University of Washington Huskies played in a national championship, ended their last season in the Pac-12, said goodbye to their head coach, and now are welcoming a new leader to the team.
0: We are here for the W, the W for winning, the W for work, and the W for Washington. And we will give it everything we have.
1: The shakeup at the school is a sign of things to come as they transition to the Big Ten, and enter a new phase of competition. In a minute, sports reporter Danny O'Neill will put the school's new role in context. But first, let's get you caught up. Alaska Airlines CEO apologized to passengers aboard flight 1282 yesterday in a YouTube video nearly two weeks after the plane's door plug flew off mid-flight. Ben Minacucci says the company is making progress on inspections. The airline is working to get the fleet's 65 747 MAX 9 planes back into service. Minacucci asserted the airline will remain proudly all Boeing. In the meantime, there's news of a second lawsuit filed by a group of passengers aboard the flight that names Alaska and Boeing. A Thurston County Superior Court judge will consider whether Donald Trump can be removed from the Washington presidential primary ballot. A voter challenge alleges that Trump is ineligible for office under the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. That's the part that says anyone who incites an insurrection against the United States will no longer be allowed to hold public office. Washington's presidential primary is March 12th, but ballots have to be printed and mailed to voters weeks in advance. And artificial turf fields across Seattle are looking a little bumpy this week. Seattle Parks and Recreation shut down playfields across the city due to frost heaving. That's when ice forms underneath fine-grained soils and raises the ground as it grows towards the surface. As of Wednesday afternoon, the department had identified nine fields across seven parks. The fields are expected to reopen today, but Parks is still researching the damage, according to the Seattle Times. Last week, the University of Washington football team was on top of the world. They were headed to the national championship with a roster stacked with talented young players. They lost that game last Monday. By Friday, head coach Kalen DeBoer was gone.
0: This is an exciting day
1: for the University of Alabama as we welcome Kalen DeBoer as our 28th
0: head football coach.
1: Yep. Yep. Washington's coach is now leading the Crimson Tide and a flood of UW players registered to transfer to other schools in the wake of the news. But just two days later, the Huskies announced they had a replacement. Jed Fish from the University of Arizona will take over DeBoer's job. He's already looking towards more championship games.
0: Sustained success is critical in college football. The ability to each and every year compete for championships The ability for each and every year to be able to be at the top of your conference, at the top of the nation. University of Washington allows that opportunity.
1: This game of coaching musical chairs is just the first sign that UW is now playing on one of the largest sports stages in the country. And it holds clues about the school's athletic future. Danny O'Neill is here to help us decipher those clues. He's a UW alum and fan and freelance sports reporter, a real triple threat. Danny, welcome to the show. Glad you're here.
0: Trish, I really appreciate you having me on, and I hope you haven't flattered me too much because I'm a, a pretty big, I would i would consider myself a huge UW sports fan, and it's kind of my last bastion of fandom after a number of years covering pro sports in Seattle.
1: All right. I'm glad you could hold on locally, Danny. Let's start with the departure of Kalen DeBoer. He was only with the UW for two years. And this past year, he was extremely successful here. Why did he
0: leave? Well, people are really mad about him leaving. I can understand that. He was only at University of Washington for two years. And as good as they were, he's he's departing. But the best way to understand college football is to realize there's a pecking order and Alabama is at the very top. If there's a pyramid there at that, that really top triangle, and Washington is maybe two or three levels down from there. Washington's pretty good. We've had some rocky moments over the past 20 years. We've also had some exceptional highs coming off the, the high of highs of playing for a national championship just a week ago. Kalen DeBoer took Washington to that height and decided, well, Now's the time for me to make the leap up the next level or two. And Alabama is one of probably the five best college coaching jobs in the country. There's a lot of pressure, too. And so Kalen DeBoer's going to this really, really prominent job. And us Washington fans, we thought he loved us. We thought he was going (laughs) to be here forever. And that isn't really how it turns out. And honestly, not how it's likely to turn out very many times in the future where College coaches, they're kind of trying to move up this ladder and maybe even leave college and go to the NFL, which is its own hierarchy and pecking order.
1: All right. Well, UW is a few rungs down right now, but a lot of change is coming for the UW sports program over the next year. Might our spot in that pyramid change?
0: Well, it's definitely changing because we're leaping from the Pac 12, this West Coast conference that was if not the best at times, one of the premier conferences is is dissolving. And one of the reasons it's dissolving is because Washington decided to go to the Big Ten. It's joining USC and UCLA and the University of Oregon there. And the Big Ten is going to be one of the two essentially super conferences in the country. The other one is the Southeastern Conference. That's where Alabama is. That's where Kalen DeBoer is going. And Washington goes from being one of the really big fish in the smaller pond of the Pac-12 to being one of the medium-sized fish that hopefully is going to get bigger but needs to worry about not getting smaller as it enters the Big Ten and the Rust Belt cities and their their stiff upper lip mentality. And now they've got a new coach and a new team and they're going to have to convince all these players that might have wanted to leave because their coach left that they got to stay. It's a very stressful time, Trish.
1: I want to talk about Jed Fish, the new guy on the block. He's coming here to Seattle from the University of Arizona in Tucson, like we've been talking about. What can fans expect with him at the helm of the program?
0: Expect a very polished, buttoned-down approach, a sharp offensive mind. I I know Jed Fish because in a previous life, I covered the Seattle Seahawks for the Seattle Times, and Jed was, at that point, uh, a young up-and-coming coach. He was the quarterback's coach on Pete Carroll's first staff, Pete Carroll, who just uh, left as as Seahawks coach last week. Jed's got a really sharp understanding. He's very much a self-made coach. He came to the University of Arizona three years ago, a school that had really not had much success at all and was kind of bottoming out. There wasn't much that was expected of him. And he, over the past three years, really rebuilt that team in large part because of how enthusiastic he was about coaching. And in talking to people about, about what to expect from Jed Fish, they believe he's kind of built for this era of being able to sign and recruit players and offer marketing opportunities, kind of an increasingly professionalized opportunities for players. That's one of the ways he he got some really high-profile players to come to the University of Arizona at a time that they hadn't had a lot of success. And if Washington's a couple rungs down from Alabama on that pyramid, Arizona's a couple rungs down. So Jed Fish is kind of moving on up in the world, and we're going to see exactly what he can do here in Seattle.
1: And that recruitment is a main focus of the attention on Jed Fish right now. Here is UW Athletic Director Troy Dannon talking about how that played into their decision to hire him. We want a recruiter and not just somebody who knew they had to recruit, but somebody like a, who was a maniacal about it. And I could say this after every characteristic, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting is first and foremost, the number one consideration in,
0: in who we were looking for.
1: You know, I want to know why recruiting is such a focus for the UW program.
0: Well, a coach is generally only as good as his players. And mm-hmm. in college sports, your ability to recruit essentially means... Talking 17 to 21-year-old men into the idea that it is in their best interest to come play for the, you at the school that you coach at. And college football has always been driven around cults of personality and your coach's ability to talk uh, players into playing for him. They'll say, you commit to a school, not a coach. That's not really as true. And if it ever was true, it's certainly become become less true. And look, Kalen DeBoer had an incredible amount of success. He's 25-3. and three. In two years at the University of Washington, and now Jed Fish comes in and he's going to have to talk his way into a group of players that are, if not able to replicate that success, at least keep Washington from sort of falling back into or into the lower half of the Big Ten standings.
1: Well, he's certainly being paid well for it. So let's talk about the money for a second, Danny. Jedfish is going to make an average of $7.75 million each year in his contract with UW. He'll be far and away the highest paid state employee in Washington. I don't even want to know what those paychecks look like from the UW. It would hurt my heart. Danny, the amount of money in this college football world is just dizzying.
0: Yes, it is. And... Look, there's a certain amount of cognitive dissonance that you have to have as a college football fan yeah. to to remain enthusiastic. I don't doubt or question whether or not a coach is worth that. He is because of how much money that sport generates. The really tough part for me is that's not really shared with the players. Now, there' have been changes, and players can now accept marketing deals, but they're not paid a wage. and I think that they really de facto are workers, even though they're not, not treated like it. And the highest paid public employee in most states is the college football coach. Like, that's just how it is. They work for public institutions. But an athletic department really is its own kind of corporation. The football program, in many ways, pays for the entire athletic department. Like, it's the driver of that budget. So I'm not... Defending or saying that they they should make that level of money, and I know that it reflects a skewed priority, but it's also kind of just the nature of how that entertainment part of, of an athletic department works. Sure.
1: You can understand there's a lot of money at play, but I wonder for fans what it really means, because college football is about loyalty to a school, and that doesn't really mesh with coaches hopping around for the best job in this cutthroat environment, players being poached, decisions being made on the bottom line, like school spirit.
0: <laughs> so it's funny. I'm one of those people, right? I cheer for the University of Washington because it's where I went to school. And when I mention the cognitive dissonance that's there, I understand that this is an economic enterprise for the coaches, for the administrators, and for all that. But I kind of understand and see that for what it is, which is I do like cheering for my school. I recognize that a coach like Kalen DeBoer is pretty self-interested, and if he sees an opportunity to improve his his status, he's going to be just like I would be in looking at another job of, hey, I've got more resources and I'm going to go. I don't take that as personally. They just happen to have an employer that I tend to root for so i don't know it's possible i'm brainwashed and part of the problem trish because (laughs) i'm the person that flew down to new orleans to watch the sugar bowl and would say that that was my excitement when they won that was one of the most emotional experiences i've had that didn't involve like the life uh death or marriage in my life but People are fans of all sorts of different things, and if you're a fan of a movie franchise and you go watch Marvel to to see Robert Downey Jr. star as Iron Man and he makes a bajillion dollars for doing that, you're kinda of like, Well, I kind of like the movie. That that's how I feel about UW football.
1: All right. Well, a trade off you're willing to make and thousands of fans along with you, Danny. Don't O'Neill. judge me,
0: Trish. Don't judge me. <laughs>
1: No judgment here. No judgment here. I'm a Husky too. Danny O'Neill is a freelance sports journalist and longtime Husky fan. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: Thank you for listening to Seattle Now and extra special thanks to the generous donors who financially support this show through KUOW. Today's episode was produced by Claire McGrain. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Jenny Cecil Moore, and Vaughn Jones. Special thanks to Hans Twite for audio restoration on this episode. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters you can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts i'm patricia murphy
0: see you tomorrow seattle in the 90s a tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution here's a story you haven't heard let the kids dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of seattle's teen dance ordinance The law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.